because some kids are doing what they're doing because they're not able to focus or they're seeking attention or they feel overwhelmed or they're having a stressful day. So we don't have to go right to correction. We want to step back and try to understand where is this coming from? Why aren't they caught up in class? Why aren't they turning their assignments in on time? When we go that route, it's easier to have that safe container with our children if we're allowing ourselves to be curious. Hello and welcome back to Soul Speak. I'm Meg Michelson. Thanks for joining me. Whether or not you listen to it on this day doesn't matter, but today is January 1, 2024. Pretty exciting year. And actually next week, I'll be talking more about that. This week, we're just going to let things settle in for a bit. So today's podcast, we're going to talk about healthy emotional availability as a parent. And even if you're not a parent, if you're willing to listen, because we are always talking to people and always struggling with our own inner child. So learning how to be in that format of parent in a healthy way versus a not, my belief is it helps everybody on our planet. I've learned a lot as a mom and with this podcast, I am not doing anything perfect. I am striving to become a better human. I'm striving to live my best life. I'm striving to live to my highest potential in this lifetime. And as a mom, I continue to make mistakes and I continue to strive to move forward. My kids are really wonderful to me and I hope they think I'm just as wonderful to them, you know, most days. And so that's what this is about. Today's episode isn't me telling you, all the things that I've done great. This is about a vulnerability. This is about we're all learning. We're all growing and we're all learning. And as we start 2024, it is so important to be kind to ourselves and to look at where we've been and where we're going and understand that this is a journey and we all get to make mistakes. And it's so important to feel good about how far we've come because we all have come pretty darn far. So today I'm going to try to stay with five things I have learned as a mom or as a parent. Now I want to start with the concept of archetypes. Years ago, I studied with Carolyn Mace in Chicago. If you haven't uh, listened to any of her work, she's phenomenal, M-Y-S-S. And I studied with her for about three years doing sacred contracts work. Brilliant work, brilliant work on that soul level. And I've talked about this in other episodes. My time with her was learning to understand the symbolic language of an archetype and how that translates into our soul in this lifetime. She did not coin that idea. That idea was brought into awareness with the work of Swiss psychologist Dr. Carl Jung years before that. But Carolyn took it further and brought it into the idea of archetypes as that soul story concept. You know, we've all heard of like the class clown, Don Juan, king, God, mother, father. Today we'll focus on the mother-father concept. So we all know about archetypes. We've all heard it. And there are many parents out there. There are many that we would say are a mother and a father. That doesn't mean they carry that archetype. Some carry that mother and father archetype and some do not, even though they become moms or dads. Mother on a soul level, 
on that level of the symbology of being a soul in this lifetime is the nurturer, the giver, the listener, the one to create the safe container so that child can feel safe to talk about feelings, to talk about where they are in the world and their confusion and have someone be able to listen. The mother does not have to be a female, absolutely not. It actually has nothing to do with male or female. It's that person that helps the child feel safe with emotions and working through emotions. And that can be any human, whether or not you're a male or a female or non-binary, it doesn't matter. Did you have that from one of your parents or a teacher or an older sibling? Now, there are many places we can get that healthy nurturing. And some people never get it. But some people are lucky enough to have that. Since not all parents are born nurturers, doesn't mean we're going to get nurturing, right? Depends on where we are at, where our history of our parents were, what the family dynamics were. And not all nurturers are parents. But if you're lucky enough to have a nurturer in your life, that's huge. It does make a difference. Someone that nurtured you and taught you how to be nurturing to yourself and others. And regardless of our age, That can always be learned, always. Doesn't matter if you are 15, 50, 75, 80. And I work with clients that have come to me in their 80s because they're really wanting to understand more about how to be kinder to themselves, how to let go of all that history. We've talked about what nurturing is on different episodes, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But the gist of it is creating a sacred container for somebody to work through their stuff, showing unconditional love with healthy boundaries. Now, I have been a mom for many years. I have five kids, like I've said. And I want to talk today about a few things that I've learned and I'm still learning. And as I was writing this episode over the past couple of weeks, things would come up like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I just had time with all five of my children and their mates and my grandson. And it was wonderful and still more learning. Every day is more learning. So the first thing I want to talk about is, as a parent, we want to do better than our parents did. You know, when I became a mom, my goal was to raise my children with love and unconditional understanding have less chaos. I grew up in a house of very many children. There was 11 and 10 still alive. We want to do better than our parents. Not that my parents did a bad job. They did the best they could and we always felt love. Regardless of however we think we were raised, look at what you really would have wanted. And are you living that way to yourself but then also to others? So doing better than our parents did. And I tell my kids that. Do better than I'm doing. Take what I'm doing and take it a step further to yourself as you parent yourself and also to your own children. You know, regardless of how we think it's going to go, I read every parenting book I could get my hands on. There are surprises. Surprises in the way that we have reacted with our children if they're not listening or we're stressed out. I yelled probably more than I ever wanted to. Not only are we navigating our own childhoods and the triggers that happen when we parent, we're also navigating our children as separate beings, who they came in as, 
And we're also navigating, if we have a partner, our partner's history. And also we're navigating our parents as our child is also possibly raised in some sort of fashion by our parents, their grandparents. Doesn't always go how we think it's going to go because they're dealing with their own woundedness. So think of all the players in that mix when you are parenting yourself and parenting your children if you have them. How were you raised? Did you feel safe in your home, physically, emotionally? Were you taught how to speak the truth with kindness? And was it received in that way? On an astrological level, in the fourth house, that's where we are at about age 38-ish, 39. That's our house of the mother and of safety and our connection to our home. And we want to create a home where we feel safe, even if we didn't have one growing up. What is your home environment like that you are in now? And how does that differ from the home you grew up in? We can continue to repeat the same patterns. We can. Or we can shift it. You know, I like I said, I grew up with a lot of people in my house. And not only did we have a lot of kids, my mom had a huge, generous heart. And so whenever someone else was in need, whether it be a runaway or someone had a fight with their parents, they'd be at our house too, sometimes for weeks. I don't even know how long because I was the youngest. I remember my dad coming home from work and seeing another child, another mouth to feed. Not once did I ever hear my dad complain about not only having 10 children, but then having extra ones. So there was a lot of love in my house, a lot of chaos, but there was always love. You know, we're talking ideal today, and we're talking about striving for the ideal. But remember, I want to keep going back to in a kind way. Not There's not an end result. We're never going to make it in my belief system. But our attempt to stay on that path and be kind to self while being kind to others, looking at how you were raised, pulling out the good, And then looking at the dysfunction and saying, I can choose different. I can choose different. Really important to remember that. And across from that fourth house, which is the house of the mother and the house of home and the house of safety, is the 10th house, which is our highest potential, which is also the house of the father. Those two are connected, house of career. So whenever we're feeling safe in the world and how we're parenting in those ways that are safe or not safe, We're bouncing that across from our career, our highest potential, and how we were not only mothered, but also fathered, how we are mothering and also fathering. So think about that. Be mindful in kind and healthy ways. What kind of home have I raised my kids in? What kind of home am I raising myself in? Is it what I want? What do I want different? Little shifts, little shifts can make a huge difference. Number two, treat yourself well. Walk the talk. You know, how we treat ourselves is key to how we are as mothers, as fathers, as parents. It's a spectrum, of course. We can be really giving and kind one day. We can be really controlling. And I'm talking about with others as well as ourselves. Sometimes we can feel too selfish. Sometimes we can feel we're too giving a lot. We might feel like sometimes people want us so much and we feel drained. We haven't even given. We're just thinking about all the ways people need us and then we are drained. 
So look at your value system. When I'm saying let's walk the talk, let's treat ourselves well, are we living our value system? I've talked about this before. What do you value? If I value time to paint, then I need to make time to paint. If I value time with my friends, then I need to make that. If I value having laughter and humor in the house, then I don't want to walk around crabby all the time. So am I living my value system? Check in with ourselves. Our kids, my kids, will only be as okay as I am. Hopefully, they will be better than I was at their age. I'm already seeing it. But they have to deal with all of my dysfunction. Anyone living in my home has to deal with my dysfunction and all of my goodness. So is it worth it for me to continue to work on becoming a healthier human? Absolutely. Why? Because it benefits me, but it also benefits all the people around me. So notice our goodness, not just our dysfunction. But really, are we walking the talk? And I'm going to go back to what are your values? And are we living those? And a part of that is treating yourself well and your value system, living your values is having a life outside of parenting. What do I want to do besides being a mom? I love being a mom. I took a Norm Shealy class in Alaska years ago. I've taught in Alaska multiple times. Beautiful state. And once when I was there, Norm Shealy was up teaching at a um, lovely quaint out in the middle of the woods resort. And he asked me, he asked all of us, there was only like 12 people in the class, what do I do for a living? And I was doing what I'm doing now, but the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm a mom. Being a mom has always been so important to me. But I also have always had a life outside of being a mom. Because I want to practice what I preach. I want my kids to live whole, but I want to live whole. So I paint. One of my um, dear friends told me, I think it's time for you to learn an instrument. So we're going to get a, a banjo and start to play the banjo. Because that's something that's just for me. And that helps me feel more whole. So have a life outside of parenting. You will be a much better parent. You'll be a much better, healthier human if you let yourself have more than just raising people, which is a huge deal. I want to say something about that. My mom raised, she had 11 children. One died as a baby, so she raised 10 children. And when I, I lived in Minneapolis most of my life, and I was up there and she was visiting me. I was a mom then, and well, I'm still a mom, but I was an active mom, kids living at home. And she said, I've lived a long life. I think she was in her 80s then, maybe her 70s. And she said, I haven't done anything. That made me so sad. The mom, you've raised 10 beings who really try to go out there and live a healthy life. That's a big deal. And it took up a lot of your time. But in her being, yes, that was really important. But she was recognizing that she really didn't do anything that was just for her. Do something that's just for you. Not just work and being a parent, being a parent to furry animals or humans. But what's your side thing? What's the thing that helps you feel really connected to your soul being? Whatever that is. And if you don't know, play until you find it. Number three, 
learn to understand their feelings. Of course, that also goes next to learn to understand their own feelings. If we can help our kids, or if you're a boss, help your employees understand their feelings and not make them wrong. I was raised in the generation of don't allow yourself to give yourself too many compliments because you'll get a big head. Or boys are not meant to be crybabies. We're not meant to be complainers. And what we are doing when we're living that way is understanding in a different dysfunctional level that our feelings don't matter. We just got to stuff them. Or that our feelings are inconveniencing somebody else. When really, it's because when my kids are really struggling and I step into my fixer role, I just did it yesterday with my 22-year-old. I wanted to fix her problem. It's like, mom, don't fix my problem. I just want you to listen. I don't want your suggestions. It's because it's uncomfortable. I am not able to sometimes, because I'm human, let my kids suffer and not have me try to fix it. But they don't want that. They just want me to hear them sometimes and letting them understand that they got this. You got this. And if you want my opinion, I'll give it to you, but I don't need to. But we have been taught either to overshare or to stuff. And that goal with our children, with learning how to become healthier nurturers, is to just be in compassion. Compassion was a long way, much greater to listen to somebody than to step in and try to fix. You know, it's so easy to get caught in the track of trying to please or trying to fix or trying to be that savior mentality because sometimes we're just not patient, right? Or we are just so in angst because someone's in pain. And whether you have one child or zero children and you're an aunt or an uncle or you work with people that behave like children or you have 11 children, we're really not meant to be fixers. We're not meant to be pleasing all of them. We're meant to help people feel loved and courageous so they can take risks, so they can fly the coop. Some kids expect more than others, and some expect little. Some love attention, and some ask for it. Some kids feel neglected. They want attention, but they're just too uncomfortable to ask because they run too much pride. Some want to be treated like an adult, even when they don't behave like an adult. Being a healthy parent is tricky business. Absolutely. And as long as we can try to strive for it in healthy balance and recognize and apologize when we make mistakes, then we can con continue to move forward and show our kids, you know, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're navigating being a parent in as much rocky territory as you're navigating being a child growing up into an adult. We want our kids to manage their emotions. And as a parent, we got to show them. We want to manage our own. No, our society can have such fluctuating emotions and sometimes too quick to anger. And so then we just think that's okay, but it isn't. And we know it's not. Anger's fine. However, reacting in a sense of anger first instead of backing up and learning how to respond properly. So with our kids, when they're angry, you know, when I was married, sometimes if my spouse was angry at me, I'd get angry right back at him instead of just stepping back and listening. Wait a minute. Why am I angry? Because they're angry. That means I'm not even 
listening to them. But when we can step back and with our child or your partner or whoever else and say, I can sense you're angry right now. Different than I know you're angry because we don't know what someone else is feeling. We don't know how they feel. Our kids don't want them to be told how they feel. We can assume, but maybe it's ask them. It seems like you're angry. Do you want to talk about it? And get curious with them. I am learning a lot still in my years. It's from I'm learning a lot still in my years to step back and become less reactive. I still react. I still want to step in and fix. I still sometimes feel that, uh, and yet we're meant to just learn, step in the shoes, be in compassion, ask the wonder questions. What's going on there? I'm not sure why you're behaving that way, or I'm not sure where that emotion is coming from, but I'm, I'm here. Listen, I, I learned this years ago. Wait, W-A-I-T acronym. Why am I talking? Is there a point? Sometimes we just want to talk. That's a beautiful acronym. Wait, why am I talking? Is there a point? Sometimes we just want to talk as parents. Sometimes we just want to lecture. And the other piece that is really important going with that and the listening is patience. You know, remembering that our kids are not as old as we are. My kids are not to be doing things how I'm doing them. I've had way more experience. They're still learning. They're still in the 17 to 36 timeline. And I can't expect them to be me as the person that has been here longer and has had more falls and has had more getting up. So it's going back and saying, how did I behave when I was at their age? When I was 17 or 25, how did I behave? So be careful with what your expectations are. Now, especially your oldest, we oftentimes expect more from our oldest and we forget that they're whatever age they are. Sometimes they're 17 or 20 or 22 or 10. We want to be careful with their expectations. Are they in line with their age? And with that listening, also complimenting. So we're not just looking for how we can help correct their behavior, but noticing, listening with our eyes. I noticed how kind you were to that person yesterday. That was so beautiful to watch. Who wouldn't want to hear that? And then if they're not feeling patient or you notice something else, you seemed a little less patient today. Are you feeling okay? So those are those navigating that, again, it's just practice, remember. And I have found over the years when I have something tough to talk about, I really try to strive to, talk, to start with a compliment. Much easier because now we've opened our heart and they've opened our heart. And we're not just looking from that place of criticism and wanting to fix. The more we allow ourselves to see our kids in their beauty, the more they will start to see their own beauty. Oftentimes we'll see them doing something or not doing something like they're not doing their homework. My um, cousin years ago, he's great guy, funny guy. And his dad, my uncle would get so mad because Danny wasn't doing his homework. So he'd go up to his room and check on him and, and he was juggling. It's like, why are you not doing your homework? And it's easy to get mad as a parent. 
But he wasn't not doing his homework to diss his mom and dad. He just really found it boring and doing juggling was way more fun. <laughs> we get that. And so we want to be careful that we're not taking things too personally. Step in the act of active listening, not just with our ears, remember, with our heart, with our mind, with our ears, with our eyes. Because some kids are doing what they're doing because they're not able to focus or they're seeking attention or they feel overwhelmed or they're having a stressful day. So we don't have to go right to correction. We want to step back and try to understand where is this coming from? Why aren't they caught up in class? Why aren't they turning their assignments in on time? When we go that route, it's easier to have that safe container with our children if we're allowing ourselves to be curious. Allow their feelings to be felt. You know, we can allow their feelings to be felt and still expect them to be respectful, of course. But no, sometimes just like when we're crabby, they're going to be crabby. And that will pass. We don't want to fixate on the negative. We don't want to fix it because it's uncomfortable for us to feel their pain. Or we go right to catastrophe thinking and, oh my gosh, they're going to fail. They're not going to do well in society. You know, our minds go down that trap as parents when we're not careful. We go back into reality. Wait a minute. I'm going down the path of worst case scenario. Instead, learn to be neutral. Learn to pause, like we've said a million times. So when you're stepping in someone else's shoes, can you try not to fix it? Can you try to observe? Can you try to help them be independent and fly on their own? Can you be neutral and honest while also being supportive? So they understand you care and you're there, but you're not always in the ring. You're in the audience, watching them, supporting them, unless they want you in the ring, but not in a fighting ring. And remember, we're talking ideal, striving for the ideal. Because this is a journey, this is a path, and we want to be kind to ourselves as we're doing this work. Number four, don't pretend we know everything. We want to share our mistakes as appropriate to their age, of course. You know, I used to want my kids to think that I was perfect. <laughs> well, that went out the window because, of course, they saw right through that. I don't have to assume I know what their needs are. I don't have to assume I have all the answers anymore. Sometimes I say, yeah, I have no idea. But if you want me to help you with that, I'll learn it. I'll learn it with you. And being a parent and having kids that are honest with me has been the biggest gift. I still read parenting books. I still read healthy communication books. Why? Because I still need help with that. I don't do it perfect. Still learning, still growing. And the more I learn, the easier it is to walk the talk but also, I want to help them fly from the nest. I want to help teach my kids that they can do this on their own in a community, of course. Self-soothing. And with that of not knowing everything, we also don't have to argue. If someone wants to argue with me, if one of my kids is in an arguing mood, I don't have to argue back. I don't have to be right. I can let them have their emotions. I don't have to feel their emotions anymore. We get to understand whatever they're feeling, I can choose to take that on and go into the gutter with them, or I can stay here and 
be in my strength. And if it's, you know, someone that is still a child, not an adult yet, you're still holding those boundaries of they still have to follow the rules. We don't have to argue. We don't even have to argue with our kids when they're adults. It's allowing a space, allowing a space. So we're non-reactive. Because remember, every time we want to step in the ring in a way of arguing, of being right, of being in control, it's our own anxiety that's leading us. It's because we're feeling unsafe. Because we've, for whatever reason, maybe we're tired or it's been a long work week or we are feeling some lack of control somewhere else. And so then that might show up when we're parenting. We're going to make mistakes. We don't have to be right. We can circle back, circle back, circle back. Because things don't have to be solved in the moment. If I have said something I regret or if I have yelled, I can step back and come back and say, you know, I didn't handle that how I wish I would have. Can we, can we redo? I'm ready to listen. It's an evolution. Just like everything else in life. Parenting yourself, parenting others is an evolution. And we are to taking it one step at a time. And the more we are treating ourselves well, the more we are listening, the more we are understanding we can't fix it, the more we're understanding we don't know everything, the easier it is to become a healthier parent. Because as a parent, we are also a student. So remember, I said this a, a few paragraphs ago, get curious about what makes them so special. Get curious about why they're having a bad day. Not assuming, not thinking we know because they're evolving every moment and shifting and changing just like we are. Get curious about their behaviors. Get curious about their words. Get curious about their talents and what's interesting to them. If your child says they want to be a rock star, well, I really don't think you should do that. You should be an engineer. Well, maybe they should just play guitar on the side. Get curious. Why? What's underneath that? Something is driving their feelings. They're acting out that desire and their thoughts. And when they're crabby or when they're going to come home and slam doors, whatever is going on inside, get curious. We don't have to assume. When they're younger, even as adults, and you're noticing their actions are not quite healthy, and they don't really have the words to ask, or they don't feel safe, to ask, or they don't even know what it is they need, that's where we can start to look and get curious. Are they in need of something? So we can be a curious investigator, not assuming, not jumping in to fix it, but watching with our senses and then deciding, this is where I will connect with my higher power. Okay, if I'm supposed to say something, let the right words come. Let me be led into how to become a better parent. We don't want to focus on stopping whatever that behavior is. And now we feel good because, okay, they stopped slamming. Or, okay, now they're not crabby with me. Good. It's all done. But that's one of parents' biggest mistakes. We want to stop the behavior because what will others think? Or it's making me uncomfortable. Or they're being disrespectful to me. Or it's dangerous. Instead, What's triggering those behaviors? What's underneath that? Again, get curious. There's something underneath that. And I am learning so much all the time from my 17-year-old in beautiful ways about what's underneath that. 
So working on tools to connect, not just stopping a behavior, but what's driving that behavior, what's triggering that behavior, trying empathy, remembering what it was like when they were your age, reverse that, remembering what it was like when you were their age. And again, stepping into wonder, then we can get a better understanding of the motivation behind that behavior. I see that behavior, what's underneath that? Sadness, anger, overwhelm. And we want to do that to ourselves. We want to learn how to do that to ourselves because remember, the more we are walking the talk, the easier it is to mentor other people. And then we can identify and then we can understand and be in compassion. Curiosity and wonder are beautiful tools because punishment, lectures, shame, it doesn't work. It doesn't help them become healthy communicators. And it certainly doesn't help any of us become a healthy communicator. There's consequences, of course. There's always a consequence for behavior, whether it's self-imposed or we guide them. But we want to be careful that we're not lecture, shame, punish, and that we think it's done because it's not. Because all we did was take the lid and stick it on the trash can and we did not help our child through it. And remember, sometimes we're tapped out or we're just in survivor mode because we're working too much, or we haven't been doing enough self-care. And so then all of a sudden, it's harder to do those things we want to do. But then we can circle back. I made a mistake. I want to listen this time. I want to try to understand where this is coming from. And so we want to be creating a network for ourselves, a healthy tribe, and then also for our children. We're doing the best we can And it is enough. And there is always time to do it a little better. Always. We're on, you know, you think about where you've come as a parent. And some parents will say to me, well, they're almost leaving the house. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're 30 and you're now learning how to become a better listener. It will make a difference. Number five, it takes a village. This is way bigger than one or two person job. We cannot be everything to our children, and we're not supposed to be. We're, first of all, supposed to help our kids fly. We're also supposed to help them self-soothe and find other people to rely on, not just one or two parents. It does truly take a village. My fourth child lives in a different state, and I can't always be there for her when she's feeling the overwhelm of becoming an adult. And that is pretty overwhelming, regardless of any of our age. You know, being an adult sometimes is lovely and sometimes it sucks. And having me farther away from her has sometimes been hard for her, just like it was for everybody else, right? I did that at her age. I left the house and went to school in a different state and had to fall on my face a whole lot, but it helped me become stronger. And my daughter has learned not just to rely on me because my brother and his wife live there. And man, she has really understood how to ask for help. That's a beautiful lesson. So if I was always stepping in to help her, she wouldn't understand the concept of a tribe. We need a tribe. And she has siblings and she has an uncle and an aunt. And I have a dear friend that lives near her that her and her husband have stepped in. All of those people helps her understand she can rely on more than one person and she can rely on herself because she has to go through that Rolodex in her mind of, 
if my mom or dad aren't available, who else can help me? That helps her find her own strength as well. Parents are part of their kids' support team, but absolutely not all of their support. No, and sometimes as parents, we might not seek help because we're feeling shame that we can't handle things on our own. Oh my gosh, I look back at how I I really sucked at being a driver's training for my children. (laughs) We'll see how I do with this last one, but I'm not good at it. I get stressed out. My second daughter, there was profanity flying out of my mouth. It's not my gift. And so I relied on then my husband But I've said to my friends, we should do this for each other because it's way easier to do this for another kid than your own kid. I am always in awe of parents that are cool, calm, and collected when they're teaching their kids to drive. That for me is where it takes a village. I'm happy to hand that off to somebody else. It's not my gift. So it's okay. It's okay that I'm not great at that part. And I no longer feel the shame of that. But I, I sure did at the beginning. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, can't be good at everything. Not good at that. So remind yourself, reach out to people, have a support network. One of my, well, multiple of my dear friends and I will discuss issues that are going on with our kids and how are we handling this? And we seek out each other to run things by each other. Amazing. And we've learned to be vulnerable and get out of the shame, but it does take a village. And then we can show our children by our actions that we are relying on each other. You know, parenting requires patience. We need patience. We need, a pa- we need patience to be a human. When we want something to shift, we really, really have to step back and work with our higher power, work with our higher self, work with the beauty of the universe for those signs so we're not forcing. It's like, I remember when I was in first grade learning how to tie my shoe, it took me a while because I had so many siblings that were older than me, they would always tie my shoe for me. And then when I was in first grade, my first grade teacher was lovely. She said, no, you have to tie your shoe on your own. So I had to learn first grade, probably a little slow, right? However, it's so much easier to tie your kid's shoe when we're in a hurry. But when we're doing that, and that, of course, is just symbolic. I mean that with anything, cooking, chopping food, all of those things. We want to have patience so they can learn. We want to step back and let them sometimes fall on their face. We want to create that sacred container that shows them that mistakes are absolutely part of life. Three, five, seven, ten, however many times it takes us, being a parent is practice. Most people, we're doing the best we can with the resources we have. And so to be kind and compassionate when we see other parents that we're like, ooh, that was maybe the best move. Being compassion. Because being a parent is a beautiful job. It's my favorite job. And it's also been my most challenging job. It's helped me grow up the most. So when we see that pain in our children, when we see pain in another parent that's struggling, we can pause, connect with that deep and beautiful, unconditional love that is all around us in the universe. We can choose to consciously connect to breathing, And with each exhale, feel love, send it out to others. Inhale all of that pain that you might see out there, but exhale it with beauty and compassion. Sometimes parents that are struggling, they just need to know we understand. That can create wonders and can be such a relief. 
And that extends way greater than just that one incident that ripples out everywhere in the grocery store or everywhere in that person's home when they have some kindness and love. Now, just like that pebble that's dropped in the pond and you see the ripple outward, so is our love and compassion, that beauty that can radiate outward. The more we run that, even if all the blunders we all go through, the more beautiful our world becomes. So practice. Practice with yourself on becoming a healthier, emotionally authentic parent with good boundaries and practice it with your children. I'm going to end with a deep inhale. Set an intention for yourself. Mine is to practice loving kindness. Have a very beautiful week. Enjoy the start to this new year. And I am so excited to connect with you next Wednesday. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me. If you want to learn more about me, services I offer, who I am, please check out my website, megmichelson.com. Also there, you can join my newsletter. I do a the best job I can to send it out monthly, no guarantees. Follow me on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks again for coming. I'll see you next time.